so my name is Joseph Dotson. All right, I was an intern here this summer. Was we finished on Sunday, right? And so I am. Uh, I'm going to be in college in the fall, starting pursuing some uh, pastoral ministry stuff down the road. Um, most people nowadays mark me by a couple things, right? He's the guy who like wears button-down shirts to baseball games, and like or. Um, what else? What else? Oh, I use random words like shebang and who's a what's it. Um, but if you asked my teachers when I was your guys' age, like eighth, like freshman, sophomore year, what defined me, they would have said I was an avid daydreamer. Is there, is there any daydreamers in the room? Okay, sweet. Well, I am, while I would no longer classify myself as a daydreamer, I would invite you right now to daydream with me for just a moment. So if you'd close your eyes, okay? Close your eyes. I'm going to wait till everybody does it. Um, so, you're on a beach. Sun is shining. There's a towel, right? You got your toes in the sand. It's relaxing. You got an umbrella kind of chilling over top of you, maybe a book on your face. Um, you feel a cool breeze rushing over your body. It's, it's beyond relaxing. But the smell of the salt water is kind of drawing you towards it. So you rise from your towel, close your eyes, and you, and you walk towards the ocean. And so as you walk towards the ocean and the waves start to crash against the front of your legs, you feel beyond relaxed. There's not a muscle in your body that is tense, and it pulls you farther and farther out from shore. You look up to the sky, and, and the clouds are beautiful. They're making all these wonderful shapes, and you have not a care in the world when a shark is chopped down on your leg, and you've been pulled under the water, all right, and you can't breathe. You can't think, and fear has struck in your body as you look into the eyes of the great white that has arisen and decided to make you its dinner. Now, while I assume most of us have not been great white dinner anytime recently, um, based on the fact that you were sitting in the chair you are, um, I would say that this is comparable not perfect, but comparable to what we feel when we feel anxious. Think about it, right? When you are anxious, you are drowning. There's this immense pressure. There's this immense panic, this immense fear, and it struck you like that. It took a good day and turned it on its head in like 0.2 seconds, right? So in our text tonight, Jesus is going to tackle the shark, right? He's going to look anxiety in the face and proclaim that it has no grip on you. It shouldn't at least. So if you could, please, we're just going to jump into Matthew chapter 6, verses 35, or 25 to 34. So if you have your Bibles, you can open there. Cool, cool. All right, I'm going to read it real quick. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body, or and more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So starting right away in verse 25, we see Jesus go in on the things that the Jewish people of that time would have been worried about. See, when he says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. For them, the things that often brought them to a state of anxiousness, that's really what I'm going to call anxiety for most of the night, is like when you find yourself in the state of anxiousness. For them, the things that brought them to that state of anxiousness were whether they'd have food on the table, whether they'd have clean water to drink, or whether their clothes would be sufficient to withstand the harsh climates found in the Middle East. Now, I know it's tempting. You're sitting there and you're thinking, I have never had to worry about food and water and clothing in my whole life. And you'd, that's, that's fair. I assume most of you have not had, hopefully, had to starve or worry about water and clothing. But you would be foolish to assume that it automatically disqualifies the remaining portion of what Jesus teaches from applying to you. All right, so hear me again. Just because Jesus talks about food and water and clothing... There is still a lot in here that's going to apply to you guys tonight. See, because Jesus says at the end of that verse, in verse 25, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So really what Jesus is actually addressing here is not that these specific problems were, he's, in fact, he's actually addressing that they are a sign of a greater problem and that's the root of anxiety. See, the actual root is that these people had made these things, these little problems, more than life itself, right? When it says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The problem Jesus is addressing here is they took something that is a fair problem and they elevated it to be bigger than life. And at this point, now I hope you can see how this applies to you. It applies because we are in a society that is ravaged by making created things meant to improve the experience of life bigger than life itself. See, we take brand names, right? Nike, Adidas, insert brand name here, and we elevate them. We elevate GPAs. We elevate relationship status. We elevate social media likes and followers. We elevate the parental pat on the back when you get home. We elevate college selections and cultural relevance to the point that we start to live for those things. We start to think that without those things, life is meaningless. Now, if you think I'm speaking in hyperbole, I just want you to look at the statistics with me for a minute. Young people nowadays are more likely to have higher rates of anxiety than adults were in the 1940s when World War II was going on and you could like get sent to war or your husband could get sent to war. We are more anxious, more stressed, more depressed than those people. And citizens in rich countries have higher levels of stress and anxiety than poor countries. And it's like by a significant margin. So as young people in one of the richest countries in the history of the world, Jesus is speaking to you more than anyone else. Hear me again. He is speaking to you more than the people in the text. And he was right in front of them. So now you're asking, well, so what? Who cares? I value these things. I get a little stressed here and there. But is it really as bad as you're making it sound? And to that, Jesus would say yes. Yeah, it's a big deal. So 
as I say this, we're going to go back into the text, right? Because I keep saying Jesus says this, Jesus says this. And we're going to see what he says. So if you go back with me to verse 26, all right, if you have your Bibles, look there. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? What this shows us is that God loves his creation. So much so that even the insignificant things, the things we take for granted, like the lilies and the grass and the birds, he takes time to nurture and grow and care for. He cares about the details, right? God is beyond faithful to his creation and provides for his creation. But we don't believe that. You heard me. We don't believe that. How do I know? Because of what Jesus says in verse 31. When Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, what he is saying is, if you trust God, if you actually believe he's in control, if you actually believe he has your best interest at heart, be like the birds, be like the flowers, be like the grass, and let God do God. Jesus is pointing out that anxiety is not our root problem. Our disbelief and therefore need to control, that's our root problem. Anxiety simply comes when our control is threatened. And to, to greater deepen this gap of what, what is so bad about control, is what control is saying is that the sovereign God who created everything and controls everything, you don't believe he actually does that. And in fact, you believe you could do it better than he does. I know somebody who did the same thing once, and his name was Lucifer. I'm not calling you Satan. Don't, don't hear me wrong when I say that. But what I'm telling you is that control is a dangerous thing. And in our hearts, it can writhe and turn it till we have such a great bitterness towards God that we miss out on all the good things he has for us. So remember, the root problem of anxiety is way bigger than the anxiety itself. And this should never mark God's people. We've been saying this whole time throughout this whole series that the Sermon on the Mount is meant to address how the members of the kingdom of God are meant to live. This is how the, the people of God's kingdom should act. So in turn, by saying do not be anxious, what he's saying is that people who aren't God's people live with anxiety, and they try and push through it and push through it and push through it. So us as Christians, we should not be doing this. This should never mark God's people. In verse 32, Jesus says this, all right? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. When it says Gentiles, to this first century Jewish audience, that would have been like saying the atheist, the unbeliever, the ungodly, the pagan, the guy or girl who thinks stones and tarot cards will give them some sort of mystic power. So what this verse is saying is that the people who do not know the God of the Bible will desire power, will desire control, so much so that they will seek after it. They will seek to control elements of our lives. They will seek to conform to the patterns of the world. But this is not what we are called to, right? If you can remember to that memory verse everybody gets in Romans 12, we are not called to conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed, to be renewed. So what now? 
if, if, if we're not supposed to be like this, if we're not supposed to be anxious, if we're not supposed to be seeking control, and we have realized that we do, and it's deep, and it's way in there, what's the solution? Because I can't reach in there, and I don't think you can reach in there and solve it. So now what? If the desire to control our needs is so deeply rooted into our hearts, and out of that flows our anxiety, we are helplessly stuck here. Unless we have a Savior who can save us, right? And so the Savior who gives this message, who exposed this problem tonight, he is the same Savior who provides the solution. So if we read verse 33, look with me there. This is a really important one, so I need you all to look at verse 33 if you have your Bibles. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But is a contrast word, okay? So what is going on in 32 about how the Gentiles are seeking control and all this stuff, the but is saying, no, no, to do the opposite of them would be to seek first the kingdom of God, right? So Jesus tells us that our problems can be solved by pursuing God's kingdom. But what does that even mean? Is God's kingdom this big ethereal place in the clouds that we chase after? No, 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 no. It means to walk in the gospel, and see how Jesus provides our every need for eternity. For the Israelites who were worried about food and water and clothing, they could take comfort knowing that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the living water. And his death and resurrection means that we can be clothed in his righteousness. While they're not immediate fixes to our earthly problems, they are far better, friends. They are solutions to, for eternity. I would deal with a problem now if it meant I had an eternal solution. And that's what Jesus is saying is I've provided an eternal solution so you can deal with your small earthly problem. So for what about us? Right, we already discussed it. We're not dealing with, with food and water here. We're dealing with social media likes and clicks. So what about for you guys? If you're taking notes, now would be a great time to put them down and just kind of soak for a minute. I just kind of want you guys to hear me out because I love you guys and, I, and I, I, as much as I value notes, you probably won't look back at them. And I want to kind of connect. Well, for the person who needs the next like on the Instagram post or the next boyfriend or girlfriend to find peace, Satan has fed you a lie that you need to control those things to find approval. You need to control things to have approval. But Christ's death, that's made you eternally approved of by the creator of all things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What about for the person who needs the perfect GPA? Or the person desiring the starting spot on the sports team or the college offer? Well, for you, I would guess that you feel these are ways of determining your worth. And so to that, I would say, um, sorry, let me rewind a little bit. We've talked about that's your worth. You've put your worth in the GPA, right, and all this stuff. So what's happening when you're anxious is that your worth is threatened, that you think, man, the, my GPA fell a little bit, and I'm anxious about it, and it's because my worth is being diminished by that. But Christ died an eternal death to pay an eternal price for you, which means that you are eternally valuable. The, the infinite God of the universe died an eternal death, which makes you infinitely valuable. So, <laughs> or some of us, right, who neglect whatever God is calling us to do, um, just because we're a little scared, right? And that creates anxiety. 
right? We're trying to control our security. And if you are a follower of Christ, you are securely in his hand till the ends of eternity. You might not be safe here, but man, when you get to heaven, there will be no greater safety. Everybody talks about the gates of heaven. You know what gates do? They protect. (laughs) And you will be so protected there. It's going to be, I'm so excited for each and every one of you. But hear me out though, you guys, and I love you, and I, and I pray you're not hearing me say that your problems can be solved with one-off phrases, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't, if you need counseling, you can't go to counseling, right? But what I am saying is that when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, that takes work. Seeking is, is like if you ever played hide and go seek, it takes work to find a good hider, right? And the kingdom of God is hidden from a lot of people. Now, if you've been lucky enough to experience it and to see some of it and to, to understand how great it is, seek further. Please, please, because there's so much in there. And what Jesus is saying is that seeking, it pays off. It might require counseling. It might require hours upon hours in prayer and soaking in God's truth. But please, brothers and sisters, fight the good fight. And do it every day. In verse 34, Jesus tells us, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When you make the decision that enough is enough, that you're tired of pursuing control, that you're tired of the anxiety, that you're tired of the, con- the writhing in your heart, and you want to pursue Jesus and trust him as your ultimate provider, worry not, of t- worry not for tomorrow, for your God is already there. Fight today. And trust the Prince of Peace to fight aside lo- alongside with you.